0: Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, where we make the world a better place for horses. I'm your host, Tracy Malone. I was born on the country of the Wiradjuri people, and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. I'd like to acknowledge the Turbal and Yuggera people, the traditional custodians of this land on which this podcast is made and where my family and horses live and gather. I'd like to recognise their connection to land, water, community and our sacred animals. I am grateful to Elders, past, present and emerging, for keeping this sacred land here in Sanford safe and protected throughout many tens of thousands of years. I have great pride to live on country where the oldest known human beings tended to this land. I'm also grateful that you have taken the time to choose this podcast at this very moment. Thank you for being a part of the global change we are making to the welfare and training of horses. If you'd like to support the podcast and all the work that I do, then you can. Just head on over to patreon.com slash come along for the ride podcast and sign up from as little as a cup of coffee a month. You can help me keep this podcast going. There are many tiers that you can choose from. And if everyone who listens gave only $5 a month, it would make a massive positive difference to me. There's a tier in there for small business subscription, just like the one Peter Papp took up from Peter and the Herd. This is the one where your business gets a mention each podcast. Peter works with equine behaviour and trauma recovery and equine communication, human and horse relationship building. Peter has actually had communication with my mare Gypsy, who's the one you see in the podcast picture with me, and he was spot on about everything. So I can highly recommend his work personally. You'll find the links to Peter's work in the show notes. I'd love to give a shout out to our two new Patreon subscribers, the beautiful Kerry Ellery and Lisa Mills. Thank you both so much for taking action and supporting me and this podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Franklin Levinson. It's a real privilege to speak with someone who's given so much to the gentle training of horses for so many years all over the world. Franklin, as a boy, found himself always seeking peace due to the loudness in his life. This is how he came to connect with horses so well. He saw in them what he was looking for himself. He does not believe in bad horses. He also believes that horses are always right. Franklin says horses, when they react to something, are in a state of fear, not disrespect. And you and I can be great horse people when you're able to realise that the horse is simply a peace seeker. So instead of punishing a horse or correcting a horse, what you can do instead, Franklin says, is lead the horse to a place within themselves of safety and peace. Isn't that amazing? Quite profound. This is a beautiful conversation with a beautiful man, and I hope you get as much out of it as I did. Here is the wonderful Franklin Levinson. Franklin, thank you so much for joining me on the show today.
1: Thank you, Tracy. I'm very happy and honored to be here with you virtually.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, the other side of the world, it's extraordinary. Now, I'm assuming, I'm going to assume that a lot of my listeners have uh, have heard of your name and know of you. So we're just going to start at the beginning. Can you tell me, did you grow up with horses? Where did your journey with horses begin? Well, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, not quite a horse
1: town, but more of a horsepower town because of cars, automobiles. But I was lucky in that my father was was a polo player. So I grew up swinging a mallet. And when I was 13, I was the youngest registered player in the country. And um, I stayed with it. Eventually, my dad and I had the typical father-son fallout. But I stayed with horses.
0: Mm, And and at what age did that happen?
1: I was seven
0: when Mm. I started
1: riding a nice trick-trained Welsh pony wow! named Sitting Bull. He would lay down and roll over and things like that and like to dump me in water troughs.
0: <laughs> I was going to say that sounds like every kid's dream pony except for the water well, he, troughs. he
1: was actually. I didn't mind the water troughs so much. Mm. It wasn't that big a deal. A little embarrassing, but not, not a big deal.
0: Wonderful. And I assume that your dad would have been a polo player back in the day. He would have been training in a very conventional way. Is that right?
1: Yes. Um, I mean, he was, kind of came to it late in life. Uh, he was, a, he rode a lot of his life, but polo, he came to, I think probably when he got successful in the mortgage business and, um, so he started playing polo maybe in his late 40s or early 50s. and I started playing swinging a mallet when I was 10, actually, and I'd been riding for a few years before that. And uh, I just fell in love with the horsemanship
0: and the horses. Mm. And how did you transition through different ways of being with and training horses as you grew?
1: Well, You know, what I saw when I was young was relatively the standard run-of-the-mill training, which uh, involved a lot of the physical work of the horse and restraint. And I never felt good doing it. It didn't feel good to me. I didn't think the horses enjoyed it. But I... It's kind of went another way in my personal life. Um, once I struck out on my own, a lot of things changed, including my way of being with horses. I couldn't afford to play polo much after I, my dad and I parted company. But uh, I kind of stayed with handling them and working with them because I did well they always responded to me. I think that's probably because I was a very peaceful kid and um, was a sort of a peace seeker. And I always wanted to be peaceful and approach a horse in a peaceful way. I was not into dominance and want to make the horse do this or that. It was always a give and take, ask as politely and as appropriately as possible, and see what happened, and go from there. I was never into punishment. Punishment doesn't work with horses, as most people probably know.
0: Mm, yeah, we're becoming um, we're becoming more aware of that. It doesn't mean we don't uh, react in certain ways in, in some situations, but um, I think as a well, as a community who's listening here, we definitely know that punishment is not uh, is not well. Right. Means- I mean,
1: you want to be fair. In your responses to behavior, you don't want to go one extreme or the other where you're, you know, angry and shouting and slapping and hitting or where you're just kind of fawning over the horse. Oh, my poor little baby, You don't want to do that either. Mm. You know, so I, I advocate avoiding the extremes of responses to your horse's behavior and go kind of a peaceful
0: road with it. You'll get a lot more out of it. And so will your horse. And did you, and is that the way you were taught by your dad and the other trainers to be with horses, or is that something you really got into once you'd separated from your dad a bit? Well,
1: the truth of that part is, is that my father was very volatile, and he was a rager. He would rage, and his anger was something you did not want to experience. And I remember being afraid of the dark. I remember wetting my bed, all because of my father's rage. So I remember as a little boy staring out of my window at the sky one night, thinking that there's got to be a better way than this. This can't be all there is. So kind of at that point, I started to be a peace seeker and looking for peaceful ways to live my life. And I got involved with yoga early on and meditation quite early on. And it settled me down. And I realized, because I was still hanging out with horses, that the calmer I could be with a horse and the more precise my my communication with it, the better off things went, um, Peace begets peace. you know if you approach a horse in a peaceful thoughtful way, chances are your outcomes of that interaction are going to be better than if you're all excited and agitated or you know experiencing an extreme of emotion either in um, joy or anger. You know you want to have a middle a middle area that's balanced. I like the word balance because I think horses respond to balance uh, in their in their lives. If you give a horse a balanced life, I think you have a better a- interaction. That's mm. just my personal feeling about it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And was there a particular horse at this time that you learnt this with?
1: Well, <clears throat> the first polo pony I had was a very, really great horse. You could play polo on him without a bridle. He was, he was so well-trained wow. and had such a good attitude. Um, so he taught me a lot. He, he was, you know, he'd follow the ball. He, if he heard a mallet hit a ball, he'd go in that direction. He was just a great teacher. Uh, of horsemanship and polo so i was lucky in that way and that little trick pony i mentioned he was a good teacher too because i'd get really pissed off at him but i didn't want to abuse him or anything like that so i had to figure out different ways to communicate with him that
0: got the job done and how, because you were quite young then, can you tell me a bit more about that? So how was the way you were with him and how did you change? Well,
1: I was around seven with this little pony, with the Welsh pony. And um, I would, if he didn't want to go somewhere, I would, you know, I'd keep him pointed in that direction pointing him in that direction. He'd turn away or try to walk away. And I'd always bring him back and just stand there and wait. And that was the right thing to do because I I would urge him to go forward. But if he didn't, I never started to whack him or punch him in the belly with my heels. I would just sit there. And uh, eventually he'd go where I wanted him to go. Maybe it got to be supper time or something, but whatever, the patience aspect of what I did worked. And um, I want to support people in trying this. If your horse doesn't want to go somewhere, rather than trying to force the issue or make him do it, just sit there and be quiet and just be really patient with it and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I found that myself. I was riding a friend's horse and we were going through – um, like a, like a grate, but they're posts to get into, like a trail, so motorbikes yep. can't get through. And, uh, and my horse just stood there and the owner of the horse was on the other side. Her horse went straight through and she was saying, come on, I'll get off and lead him. I'm like, no, just give him a minute. He's just thinking about it. He will go. Yeah. You just need to give him the time. So I completely agree with that in every way. I found that myself on the occasions when I've ridden, they will do it. They just need time to think about it sometimes.
1: Right. Very good. Mm. Very good. Because I remember riding with a woman who was a riding instructor. And um, she was riding a horse that was newly arrived at this particular facility. And we went out on a trail ride. And the horse didn't want to go down a particular way. And the woman who, you know, was a pretty good rider and not a bad instructor, I imagine, but she got so angry at the horse and started to wail on him and punch him in the ribs and blah, blah, blah. And I got really angry at her. I almost mm-hmm. wanted to punch her in the ribs. And she was, it was very rude and abusive and, you know, it's, it's good to see things you don't want to do sometimes. It reinforces your, your way. Yeah.
0: I yeah. Know. And I think in um, it's, you know, I always wonder the lessons that the horses are bringing us because they teach us so much and, for me, one of them is definitely patience, you know, that ability to ask. They, he heard my ask and he was just figuring it out in his own time and it's that we need to slow down to their time sometimes and just give them patience. I think
1: that's right on, right mm. on target. And uh, that can be a real aha moment for a rider or a equestrian.
0: Mm. And... What happened with you and horses once you veered away from your dad? Where did that take you? Did you work with horses? Okay. I stayed with it and
1: I looked for work at summer camps as a riding instructor. And I got it. I got a really good job at a large summer camp in northern Michigan. I had 125 horses, um, about 150 children to put through it and um, a really cute blonde is my helper (laughs) and uh so yeah it was it was a lovely summer and i did that for a couple of seasons and then i wanted to get out of michigan because i don't do well in the winter and so i headed on down to florida and just started hanging around at different ranches and places where they had horses. And if somebody was having a problem, I would offer assistance. Sometimes they said, sure, show me what you got. And sometimes they just said, no, go away. It's all right, whatever they whatever they said I did. And um, I just kind of went about it like that way. It was a little bit of hit and miss, knocking on doors. And um, and I proceeded like that. Eventually, I went into the mortgage business like my dad did and made a little bit of money, not a lot, but enough to, to um, stop working in the mortgage business and get a couple of acres of land on Maui. And that was a real life changer for me. Um, it was real paradise, you know, and I managed to come up with it with seven acres of land. This is a long time ago, and it was fairly reasonable, and um, started a little ranch and got a couple of horses and offered to take people out, and it worked. It worked well, uh, so I got some more horses and got enough to take seven people at a time out on a day outing into Maui's outback with waterfalls and a lovely picnic lunch and blah, blah, blah. And that was quite a successful little business. It ran for 30 years. Wow. <clears throat> and because of the time in that, I had to, you know, I went through a lot of horses. I tried to, my best to pick the best horses I could, as cheaply as I could. Sometimes I'd come up with a horse that was somebody's throwaway, that needed some rehab, so I, I got involved in rehabilitating problem horses, horses that bucked, bit, bite, kick, won't move, won't go forward, won't go backwards, and so on. So I started having to deal with all these issues to get horses from ready for my string, and uh, I just got better and better at it. After thirty years, I was ready for a change. So some friends who I hadn't known before, actually, some people who had heard about my ride came on it who had a ranch in Colorado. And the ladies in Aspen, the lady says, listen, why don't you come to my ranch and maybe give a seminar, (coughs) excuse me, and help with our horses? I said, sure. So I took a little trip to Aspen, Colorado, And I thought I died and went to heaven. It's like picture perfect postcard scene. And um, went to work at a little ranch there and started giving seminars and training horses. And I had a ranch manager on Maui who ran things for a while before she ran it into the ground. And um, then I eventually sold the ranch, stayed in Colorado and started to get invited to other places like Greece, England, um, Australia, New Zealand, and other countries around the world to come and give seminars and train and teach. And that's kind of how I started to get around training horses and giving seminars and so on. That's, that's it in a nutshell. And what were you teaching? What, what was it that the whole <coughs> world gentle wanted from you? The- Gentle horsemanship because they didn't understand that the gentle way is the better way with horses. The world was still thinking that because it's such a big animal, you need to dominate it and show it who's boss. And that's what I heard a lot of show them who's boss, you know, riding instructors telling their students who are riding around the arena in a circle, you know, show them who's boss, take control, take charge. And I just didn't like that. And I, I would say, okay, now you, I want to show you how to be the leader here and guide the animal. And where are you guiding him? You're guiding him to feelings of safety. Because I had discovered long before this that a horse is seeking Safety. And when you provide him with this sense of safety, you really got something going because at that point he's trusting you. If you get his trust, you get all kinds of good things. So I became a, I wanted to provide a safe places for the horses that were with me. Even if it was just with me, they were feeling safe, even if they weren't feeling safe with other humans. So, That was my focus, was not to get a horse into a trailer, but my focus was to have the horse to continue to feel safe with me no matter what. And that can be a challenge, as you know, sometimes. It's not easy. Mm. You You get your triggers pushed or your toes stepped on or whatever, it's not always easy. And it can be dangerous, but I've been lucky. I've never had a serious injury with a horse. And um, that's what where my life went. And it was very fulfilling and very, very rewarding. It was never, not about making a lot of money, but I was able to put food on the table and get around.
0: Yeah, I love the way that you explain that. It really is a, a different way of saying something that I've heard so many times in working in a calm way with horses and being congruent and all these different things, but... I'm just sitting here imagining what if everyone in the world today who was out riding their horse actually went and did, were in the mindset that you were just speaking. So instead of looking for a goal or something else with their horse, they're just wanting the horse to feel safe. How can I make you feel safe today? That would literally change the world, wouldn't it? Absolutely. If people felt that, uh, had uh, that attitude with
1: people, that would be miraculous. Yeah. You know, how can, I, how can I get this person not to be so afraid? Um, you know, so many things make us afraid or tend to um, inspire fear in us or motivate fear in us. And if you understand that and you work to eliminate that fear and substitute feelings of safety, it's miraculous. I always like to f- frame horses' fear response as they're not running from danger, they're they're running towards peace, mm. or running towards safety. I like that way of
0: framing it.
1: It's a more yeah. positive reference.
0: And it's also, it gives empathy and understanding. It's not just positive, it's an aha moment. Like when I read that Um, that you'd said that it was just, it was, it's a very profound statement because we, when the horse does that also, it triggers things within us. But if we can see that the horse, we can see it from a totally different perspective that the horse is actually just seeking peace and safety, then we can help them.
1: Absolutely. You know, um, you remember the hymn, Amazing Grace? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I used to, cry when I would hear that hymn because I was so um, traumatized by my father and his manic. I was always looking for this state of grace, which to me translated to a state of peace or being at peace. So whenever I could feel a fearful horse, once he was with me for a little bit, start to relax and feel peaceful and safe. It put me in a state of grace. Mm. It was just miraculous. Um, I, I can't tell you the profound effect that that awareness had on me when I was very aware of the horse's emotional state and it became an emotional state of peace and calm and, and trust. It was great. I highly recommend people to try it and to let go of their agenda of what they feel they have to do or a time agenda. Oh, I don't have enough time for this. You know, you got to let go of that, gang, because if you don't, you're going to mess yourself up and your horse.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Just my personal opinion on that.
0: Yeah, that's another one I hear a lot is you need to take as long as it takes. And that's the attitude I go into. Especially yeah, it's with. yeah, it's not Definitely easy. Yeah. It's not easy. We make. all
1: have busy lives and things to do and so on and kids to take to soccer or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But
1: um, it really pays with your horse if you can do that. It works great with your kids too.
0: Yes. Yeah, I uh, since I started this podcast and have a small son, the amount of correlations between parenting and horsemanship is um, there is, isn't there? Yeah, like every single one, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every Attical. single one. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Great, great. So, as you travel the world, Franklin, can you think of um, people and horses' lives that you change? What's a story that comes to mind for you?
1: Well, um, Geez, there's been so many people and so many horses. Mm. I think that uh, when I was in Sicily, I had um, a couple of people come up to me after the seminar and said, how did you get so peaceful? <laughs> how did you, how are you just peaceful throughout this whole thing? You didn't get excited. You didn't raise your voice. You didn't start to jump around or move quickly. And I, That really kind of uh, hit me when she said that, how did you get so peaceful? I said, well, I wanted to be peaceful. So I kept my focus on my own feelings of peace because it's pretty hard to give something to somebody else if you don't have it to give. So how can you bring peace to somebody else if you're not experiencing it within yourself? And that was a big thing for me. Um, I would some of my programs we'd do a, a meditation before or a guided meditation or some breathing exercises just to calm down and try to get everybody on the same page as far as being peaceful and it was really miraculous so this when these people in Sicily came up to me and I'd never been to Sicily before I didn't know anybody but this one girl who had invited me to do this seminar. That's how it went everywhere, Greece, all over the place. I didn't know anybody except one person who invited me to do a seminar. And um, anyway, it it was pretty neat when this person said, geez, I've never known anybody to be as peaceful as you. So I guess maybe the Sicilians that she met weren't that peaceful, but You know, maybe after the seminars, several got a little better.
0: I'm sure they did. There's no doubt in my mind that they all, uh, all were changed. I think that's one of the things in my mind when I've seen great horse people um, over all the years whether they use traditional methods or not when people start using the word horse whisperer the one thing that i can actually relate to all of them it's not in the method and the technique and the training and it's in the calmness that they carry in their body is the real right. key to to what it is that the horses have responded to
1: right i agree with that not not everybody <clears throat> it's a bit of a misnomer i think i i never really liked being tagged as a horse whisperer. Yeah. Um, although a lot of people did it. I would call myself more of a horse listener.
0: Yeah. It uh, was the movie that did it. The movie threw that word yeah. out there. We didn't really get a choice, did we? No, it did. It put me on the block, I have to say.
1: So, um, so I'm grateful for that movie coming out. And so was Marty Roberts. Mm. And, um, but you know, the proof is in the pudding, and I think you really need to watch somebody and not just take somebody else's word for what they're doing or how they do it because you need to really see it for yourself and see how it feels in your gut. If, if you feel good and peaceful and calm in your gut with what you're seeing, chances are it's probably all right. If you're getting a little tight in the gut from what you're seeing, chances are it's not right or yeah. not all that great.
0: Yeah that's basically the journey of my entire horsemanship life was good. I would turn up to people who talked about great trainers and uh, and my stomach said not so great after all so but I learned something yeah. from all of them I learned something positive from all of them as well as what I don't want to learn so as you said sometimes yeah, good. that's a good lesson too
1: Absolutely it's very valuable and a lot of people don't get that mm. You know it's it's great that you do Tracy
0: Oh, I was, so my story is a little bit similar to yours. I had a, I had a bit of a big ang- angry dad as well. And uh, it, it attunes you to sensing everything around you. So whilst I grew up in a time where you were told, um, you know, you, the only emotion we accept around here is happy. Um, I could I could feel everything else that was going on. So whilst I wasn't, it kind of drove me a bit crazy when I was smaller. It's something that was has always been there, thankfully, and wasn't ever really. Um, no matter how hard the world tried, I, I couldn't let go of it. I couldn't. I was always feeling, no matter what. So my gut feeling is always, always. Um, not that I've always listened to it, but it's always been there, yelling loudly.
1: Well, oh, good. I yeah. think that's a good thing,
0: yes, it is, and it does it serves me very well now and so how did it um, how did you move into equine facilitated learning?
1: Well, I had no problem in inviting uh, groups of disabled children or children with a disability to my ranch on Maui. Um, I called, I mean, a few times people would bring out a child with Down syndrome or some other type of disability, and I'd work with them, and everything always went really well. So one day I called Maui Family Services, and I said, if you have any groups of children with disabilities, and you'd like to try this, um little program with horses that I've created, why don't you come on out and we'll see how it goes. So I invited a couple of groups out, no charge, and it went really great. And so they kept bringing groups and then another place called up and said, can we bring up our kids? I said, sure. And it was it was born from doing that, and then all of a sudden, a very nice lady reporter from the Maui News came out and did a huge story on it and um and that was put that on the map so so that's kind of how I started that equine facilitated learning oh, also I went into um I started researching people doing similar work around the country, and I found Barbara Rector. Have you ever heard of Barbara Rector? The name rings a bell, but I can't place her. Okay. She's considered the mother of all equine-assisted therapies.
0: Ah, yes. I've read her book.
1: She, read her. Yes. She's had several out. She's a very dear friend. I've known her for, for 30 years. She visited my ranch on Maui and so on. And she's just great. She's in her 80s now, I think, and a wonderful, wonderful woman. And um, so I took a program with her at the beginning and she was fabulous and I loved it. And, and she just added to my, to my knowledge and experience of equine assisted learning. And she has she started her own program, which meant before mine, which was called. Um, and I, can't, I If I, will think of it in a minute, and I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she was. She was just fabulous. Barbara Rector, R-E-C-T-O-R. Adventures in Awareness. That was the name of her program. So if you look it up on the internet, Adventures in Awareness, you'll come up with Barbara and her program Hmm. You'll be happy you did.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I remember her work being amazing. And what's something that you learned from her in those years? Did you have any profound learnings that you can remember?
1: I learned more about asking and not telling. I mean, there were several levels of energies of communication that I began to to promote ask not suggest ask tell okay so Mm -hmm. if you suggest something it's like um gee honey wouldn't it be good if you know i could have a salad first or something like that it was just a suggestion asking would be so honey i'd like to have my salad first And then there's telling, which is stronger, but you don't want to go to being angry about it. So just, honey, can I, just let me have my salad first. So if you keep these levels of energy in mind when you're communicating with your horse or asking for things, it'll go quite a distance to helping you be successful. And try suggesting, then try asking, and if you have to try telling, and never go to abuse, abuse, and never go to punishment.
0: Mm. And like you say, even telling can be in the same, um, same gentle way. It's just a different way to phrase the, the thought or the request. Sure, just a little firmer.
1: Mm. Like you could be firm but be fair.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing a correlation fair, between horsemanship and parenting now in my head. Yes. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> but you got to be fair with your kid, right?
0: Yeah. And if, with your horse. if you're
1: unfair, you're going
0: to trigger him and he's going to revolt. Mm. Horses do the same thing. And the difference is, and the, the reason I bring it back to parenting a lot, and I'm speaking with friends about this at the moment, we've been having this conversation for the last couple of days. Um, it's so much easier with children because we speak the same language. So my yeah. son is able to speak to me and say no I don't like this and no I don't want to do this and here's why and we can negotiate through it and that's um the the pain I have with horses and the the concern I have with horses is I just I it, I just don't know what they're trying to say back to me and that's where the patience comes in to try and figure right. that out to to take the time to go what are you trying to tell me right now
1: well, I'm going to make a suggestion to you. When you're trying to figure out what your horse is trying to say, and you're not getting it, stop trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Get as peaceful as you can, and turn in, turn inside, and just be quiet and calm, and to see and see what comes up. Because I remember um, a big lesson in that I had once I was giving a seminar at my ranch on Maui. And I had one of my personal horses in the arena with me. And I wanted him to come towards me. And I asked him to come forward, and he didn't, which is unusual. He was very well-trained, good boy, handsome horse. And... So this went on for a few minutes. I said, come on over here, buddy. And he never did it. And then I, I just got a flash of inspiration. I said, everybody, look, just kind of be quiet. Close your eyes. Turn inward. And let's see what comes up. And so as soon as I did that, I stopped asking him. I closed my eyes. I stood still. I got a beautiful crystal clear mental image of him having pain in his shoulder it was unbelievable it's like a photograph Mm. and i opened my eyes i said folks i think i know what's going on i said i'm gonna call one of my grooms and have him take this horse back up to the stable area and bring down a different horse so as soon as i said that the horse walked over to me (laughs) It was huge validation that I was actually right on target with it. So we took him back up and brought another horse down and I proceeded. But it was a, quite a startling experience. I mean, there was 30, 40 people sitting in front of me and um, nothing was happening. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, I got a little flushed, but it all worked out great because I never pushed it. And I just got quiet and tried to listen
0: to anything that would come into me, mm. so try it. I most definitely will. I definitely Good. will, and I believe that some of these are pain related as well. There's. Uh, have you ever worked? Um, had any horses with PSSM one? PSSM one. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> until three days ago um it's a it's it's uh, there's certain breeds that have a lot of it it's an inability to uptake uh, and do something with sugars and it actually can cause a lot of pain in horses and it can dissolve the muscle tissue as well and there's a few of us who have um Horses from the same line, and uh, we're all having a few issues, and we're having that tested at the moment. So, that's kind of the big thing we're dealing with at the moment. We've had these horses that for years have been um, obstinate and stubborn, and all of us um, do the type of training you're speaking of. And all of us know our horses are in pain, and none of us could figure out what it was until somebody went down this line and got it tested. So, it's um, I'm a massive testament to when a horse is really when you're telling and they're still not doing it, there's generally more often than not, there's, there's pain somewhere. It's, I totally agree with you. Mm. And so many people don't get that, that the horse
1: really does want to please you and want to cooperate and so on. And if he's not, there's a good shot, there's pain involved. Mm. And, and that is so right. And I've never heard of that. I've never heard of it in the States.
0: Neither had I. It's massive in um, quarter horses, apparently, and these are not quarter horses, so it's it's re- it's a really long and interesting story, but um, which I won't get into today, but it, I had never heard of it either. and i'm I'm quickly becoming a quick study of uh, of what's going on, and there's three of us, like I said, and we're all researching, but I'll actually do a podcast on it as well to bring more awareness to it because Good. of what I'm finding. So
1: is there a treatment?
0: Well, that is what I want to know. So there are treatments, um, but our biggest question is, are we managing pain or are we giving the horse a good life and fixing pain? Are we bringing it to a level where there is peace in the horse's body or are we just managing it so the pain's not so bad? So that is, I don't have the answers yet. I know there's a lot you can do with nutrition, nutrition is the big key at the moment, but most of us, the three of us were already feeding in this certain way anyway. We can add a few different things in a bit of a more high fat diet and um, a couple of other things in, but um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Very interesting one. And
1: I believe everything
0: happens for a reason. So we'll, we'll follow the rabbit hole and see where it takes us. Good. Good luck with um, that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's um, yeah. Who knows? You keep me
1: posted about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, definitely. It's um, I'm asking everyone if they know about it, and um, I'm surprised and not surprised about how many people who don't know about it. Mm-hmm. It's, never um, heard of it. Yeah, neither I, had I. Nobody ever mentioned
1: it, not even.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: It goes to show you, you think you've, you've been around and you, you know some things and blah, 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 but you're never going to know everything.
0: Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? There's
1: always something to learn, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I believe you were also the first person to bring, um, EFL, equine, equine persisted, equine persisted, look at my, me, equine facilitated learning to Australia. Uh, How did that come about?
1: Well, I have been coming to Australia to do seminars. I've been probably to Australia maybe six times and, um, I forget what magazine it was, but one of your major horse magazines, it could have been you know, something like Western Horsemen in Australia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, they attended a program uh, that I, I did on equine facilitated learning, which I always started to do when I would travel. I would do a horsemanship, and along with it, usually as a separate program, I would do an equine facilitated learning program. And uh, the, the reporter from the magazine had never heard of it and never seen it and so on. I guess it impressed him because they did a lovely article on it. And they said I was the first one. Now, I don't know if that's true, but they, they said it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I didn't dispute it because I didn't know if it was true or not. But a similar thing happened in England. Um, Your Horse Magazine in England, which is a pretty big magazine, came and did one of my programs and uh, wrote a big article about it. And they said the same thing that I it hadn't been in the in the UK before. So, um, I mean, I know there were, there were not uh, many people doing it. I was one of a handful of people, Barbara Rector, and a couple of others way back you know 25 almost 30 years ago Mm. doing these similar programs
0: and it's great stuff yeah well what's the difference between you coming and doing a horse training seminar to an EFL seminar what is the difference really
1: and a, a difference in Uh, Horse Training Seminar and Equine Facilitated Learning?
0: Yeah. Is there much of a difference between teaching both of those?
1: Equine Facilitated Learning, I think one of the biggest challenges in such programs has been the lack of horsemanship with the people that are handling the horses. Mm. Because more often than not, these programs are put on uh, places that were – charitable places you know places that didn't have much money so they they got horses for cheap the volunteers were not horse people they were just kids that loved horses and um so what happened was the horses weren't handled very well a lot of the time and the horses would get into bad habits kicking and biting and pushing so a lot of horses got a bad rap that way and got passed around. So in any of my programs, whether it was an EFL program or or horsemanship, of course, there was a hefty dose of good, solid horsemanship and philosophy with it. It wasn't just technique. I mean, tech, good technique is great, but the philosophy that goes along with it puts a good frame around it. So if your philosophy of is one of, well let's support support peace and trust and not dominance, if that's your philosophy along with good training techniques, you're gonna get a lot further along with your horse than if if it's all about dominance and just quick, you know, schooling under saddle or whatever it is. So all my programs contain horsemanship, and in fact they would all contain elements of both because you have to learn how to pay attention to the horse and listen to the horse and try to determine what's going on with the horse. If you're ignoring what you're seeing in the horse or what you're feeling from the horse, you're missing a great opportunity here because he's always trying to communicate with you, he mm-hmm. or she. You know, there's never a time where they're just being uh not interested in some form of exchange with whoever is around it, whether it's human or horses. They may look like they're just, you know, lolling around and grazing and ambling around, but they're aware, mostly, they're aware of everything that's going on around them. They have to, they're prey animal. Exactly. Exactly
0: yeah they don't miss a thing. I've always seen a direct correlation between equine facilitated learning and therapy and everything in actual horsemanship.
1: It's, oh
0: yeah uh, yeah absolutely. I'd, it's just whether or not you've got a somebody who can guide you through your emotions at the same time as, as teaching you about horses. you know it's that real awareness of, of that horses are really um able to teach you enormous things, and not a lot of them are about the horse, they're mostly about yourself.
1: Very, very, very true. And they can, you know, horses have a lot of emotional um, integrity. They're not thinking one thing and doing something else. or They're not trying to deceive you. I have people that have said over the years that, oh, the horse is, he's napping. He's trying to get away with something. <laughs> he's trying to get out of work or some, some such thing. And I never bought into that. I thought that was bullshit. Oops, excuse yeah, me. No, I agree. Bullshit completely. <laughs> and um, I would say, you know, pay attention to him. If he's limping and showing you he's got a problem, he's got a problem. Yeah. He's not putting out an act here. You know, so, but so many people, they'll take what the horse is doing personally, like a, some sort of personal affront. That's bunk. Mm-hmm. He's just being a horse, and he's trying to be as honest as he can, and that's how they are. That's how I th- take them to be anyway and um i want I want everybody's horses to thrive, and I want every horse owner to thrive and um I think if you have the intention to give your best, be the best that you can be for your horse. Uh, you'll be surprised at how good you can really be all the time.
0: Wow. And that
1: that's part of my philosophy.
0: Mm, I love that philosophy. That's amazing. <laughs> and is there, uh, um, I know you've dealt with probably thousands of horses during your horse life, but is there one that really, um, really changed you or really stuck with you for all of those years? Well, the horse
1: at, As they say, this horse in this equine facilitated learning program I was doing at my ranch, he really turned me around as far as like being able to up my level of communication and understanding of the horse and that they communicate, I believe, in pictures. Yes. Or they think in pictures. Yeah. And they can send you pictures. And I didn't really get that or I was skeptical of it until it happened to me firsthand. Once it happened to me and I was, you know, sold on it. So I think that was very profound for me. And then um, there was another thing that I was on uh, in Greece where I had stayed off and on for a number of years and there was a horse at this uh, particular academy and this kid was You know, it wasn't a kid. He was in his 20s or something. And he was trying to take the horse from one paddock to another. And the horse just started rearing up with him and, you know, pawing at him and just showed himself to be really pissed off and afraid. And this kid just didn't know what to do. He just started yanking on the rope, and that just made things worse. And I said, said, hang on. (laughs) Calm down. Take it easy. Let's you and I walk this horse over to a bush that I know is going to want to munch on. So we walk the horse over to this particular bush that I know they like to munch on, and the horse started munching, and he calmed right down. So uh, if you have a horse that's particularly nervous, let him start to eat. Don't start yanking on him and trying to make him do something, make him behave. Let him start to eat because just the chewing motion of his mouth is going to calm him down. So that was kind of a neat thing wow you have these these experiences in your life, and at the moment it may or may not have profound significance, but if you reflect on it, just say, "Oh yeah, that's what that was about that's why he did what he did. so consider being a peace bringer.
0: yeah i th- I think that is the um The key and and one of the greatest legacies you bring to the horsemanship world is that be a peace bringer. um, Horses aren't trying to hurt you or anything. They're not trying to disrespect you. I dislike that word in the horsemanship world as well. They're just trying to find peace and safety. That's it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You do get it, Tracy. That's great. You get it.
0: Yeah and it's it's um it's one thing to get it and it's then it's it's taking it out with you and and making that your practice you know that's the big thing
1: well it's not difficult if you if you really want it you can get it mm. if you really want to do it you can mm. if you say no i can't do that then you won't
0: yeah, exactly. And it's in the moments when the horses trigger you. You know, I believe trauma is a massive part of what we're dealing with with horses in that they trigger ours and people yep. trigger ours. And we're just kind of little walking trauma balls. And unless we really deal with our trauma, where we can't hear anything that's going on around us and we get so stuck in our own stuff. And it's those moments where we need to go oh, peace and safety. Because in the respect of taking your horse to peace and safety, you're taking yourself to peace and safety. That's totally um, true. And that's where you can really make a massive difference, not just in the horse's life, but your own, and they can really teach you something very precious that you can then take into the world.
1: Absolutely. That's
0: perfect. I love it. Mm. Wonderful. What else, Franklin, what else would you like us all in the world to know right now? Well,
1: the horse is never wrong. That's a big one. He's always correct. Yeah. Even if it's not what you want or if it's not, you know, if he stumbles, if he knocks down a fence or any whatever happens that is something that you don't want to happen, um, he's not wrong. Chances are you are. Chances are how you ask them, the energy, the cue, something was not quite right or there was something that popped up that scared him and so on. But he wasn't wrong in what he did. He was just exhibiting a symptom of fear that 's how I look at anything that you don't want that you don't want to get from a horse that you're getting from the horse is really a symptom of fear and every most everything that doesn't produce peace and safety produces fear. If you confuse a horse, you produce fear if you um if you make him not to to be able to understand what you're saying, that creates fear. If there's anything that doesn't produce peace and safety, produces
0: fear. Mm. And especially if you escalate within yourself as well, if you're if you just not if you exactly if you turn your request into a make and it, and you change the energy that you're doing it with to a more aggressive one, that will definitely bring fear. I believe.
1: Absolutely.
0: Mm.
1: Absolutely. And. you know, if you're, if you're asking for something and you're not getting it, most people would, or many people will keep asking. Yeah. What I suggest you do is to stop asking and just go quiet for a while rather than keep asking. I, another, I was out to dinner in, in Greece with some friends and, um, this guy said to me, oh, I'm losing my focus, about how to get a horse to do what he's asking and when he's not. And I said, stop asking.
0: Mm-hmm. He said,
1: no, I'm asking you, how do I get this horse to do this? I said, stop asking. <laughs> now you get it. So it went on for about 10 minutes. Everybody at the table was laughing. Because they all get it, got it, but this guy, he didn't get it. Yeah. Finally, he got it. Stop asking. Don't be so pushy with what you want. Chill out. Take it easy. Take a breath. You know, there's, there's time. There's time to get what you want and ask for what you want. You know, there's, we generally don't think we have enough time to do all this, but we do.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful one too, isn't it? I think that's another life lesson. We we feel like we don't have enough time
1: yeah. to do what we want. Oh, I,
0: I know. I felt that in the past, but I had to let
1: that go because it created too much stress in my life.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a great stress bringer. Anything so else, Franklin?
1: I want to say that I'm doing. Um, you know, I'm I'm older now. I'm a senior citizen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I don't get around as well as I used to. So I don't do as many live programs as I used to, but I'm doing some very effective um, online and telephone coaching.
0: Ah, oh, Wonderful.
1: I, I can do it anywhere in the world. Like you're in Australia, I'm here in California. So we can do this anywhere. I can do this anywhere. So if anybody would like to have any phone coaching with me, I'm happy to do it. Probably the quickest way to find me now is on Facebook, Franklin Levinson on Facebook. And uh, you'll get me right away. I also, you can Google Google my name and a lot of stuff will come up. You can go to FranklinLevinson.com. I mean, there's a lot of ways to find me on the internet. And I'd be happy to do that. It's, It's easy. It's cost effective. It's quick. You know, so... Feel free to give it a try if you're interested.
0: Absolutely. And I'll put all the links in the show notes as to how to um, connect with you. And, um, yeah, I hope a lot of people around the world, after listening to this, connect with you to lead Thank their you. horses to peace. What
1: a beautiful oh, Very gift. good. That's nice. I like it. Can I use that?
0: Yes, please do. <laughs> please do. Okay. Okay. But for now, Franklin, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. But even more importantly than that, I just want to thank you for everything you've done for horses in the world. It's an amazing um, gift that you've given us all over all these years. And um, from the bottom of my heart, thank you.
1: Well, it's been my joy, my pleasure and my honour to do the work that I've done. And I hope to continue to do it, even if it's just virtually.
0: Yeah, you're not done yet. Definitely not done yet. Oh, um,
1: I do have a little book.
0: Wonderful. Tell us about your book.
1: came out two years ago. It's not a big seller, but um, it's available on Amazon. It's called Trust in Horses, T-R-U-S-T, the letter N, and horses. And it is on Amazon, and... If you're interested, take a look. It's not a very thick book. It's not a very expensive book, but it is available.
0: Wonderful. And what led you to write the book?
1: I had a very dear friend of mine who passed away last year who kept, who was just a, my best friend. And he was a senior, and he just kept at me. Is said, when are you going to do the book, the book, the book? And he just pressured me so much eventually. I said, okay. I'll do it. So I got to work on it and created it. Wonderful. It's like having a parent who knows you can do something, who knows you're procrastinating, not doing it. Yeah. So
0: That's a good like, friend.
1: Yeah, a good friend. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Well, we'll definitely pop that in the show notes as well, and, uh, and I'll be grabbing myself a copy and having a read for sure but thank for you. now franklin thank you again so much for joining me today it's been a pleasure
1: my pleasure tracy good luck to you and best wishes to you and your family
0: thank you i'm on a mission to create a community of conscious horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life this is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help if you enjoy this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses by bringing consciousness to the horse world, please do one of the following. You can go over to our Patreon page at patreon, com slash come along for the ride podcast and become a subscriber to the show. As Patreon members, you're helping this podcast become a weekly show once again. And remember, any funds that go over the cost of production will go into new and exciting projects that you, as a subscriber, will have a say in. You could also pop over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com and see our range of sustainable, ethical and organic gear for both horses and humans. Remember, 50% of profits go back to helping horses all over the world live a better life. Or you could leave us a review and tell the world why you love this podcast. You can do that through whichever app it is that you're listening now. The best place to do it is through iTunes. They give juice that gives other bits juice that boosts the podcast up. And basically that gets it into more people's ears so that we can make a real difference in the world. You could also share this podcast with a friend. Tell everyone you know about it and guide them to an episode that you think they'd really enjoy. All the links you need can be found in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.